And good morning to everyone in Southeast Louisiana. It is play by play coming to you live here on this Wednesday. I actually know the day of the week because it is Thanksgiving Eve, and we hope that everybody is preparing themselves for a wonderful time with friends and family and loved ones and watching football and eating Thanksgiving turkey. And boy, doesn't it say a lot about me? Um, the fact that whenever I'm talking about Thanksgiving, I say turkey as like the fifth or sixth thing <laughs> on my list of things that I'm looking forward to. Most people, the eating would be like first or second. I'm like, oh yeah, friends, family, loved ones, all football, video games, hanging out. And then the eating. I'm not a big turkey guy, man. I, I can't help it. I'm not a big turkey guy. But anyway, throughout the course of the show today, we've got Brody Williams at noon who will be joining us. He will be chatting with us about South Lafouche basketball, which will be uh, ripping and rolling here in the next couple of days. Um, we've got another day of the Thibodeau Thanksgiving tournament. I'm actually going to be out there at uh, Thibodeau High School today watching some of the games then we've got in the night uh i'll be making the trip over to ed white we've got ed white and ellender uh looking forward to that um so great opportunity for some local teams to get some headway at 12 15 we've got taylor griffin who will be joining us we'll be talking with the turtle about what's on his thank uh, thanksgiving plate um uh, nichols basketball got a win last night uh lsu football Jaden daniels heisman trophy new orleans saints whatever whatever it is that we get into with the turtle we'll get into it but first we lead off today's show um by getting to our local scoreboard from yesterday high school boys specify for sure boys basketball high school scoreboard from yesterday we'll get to the girls in just a second Central Lafouche gets a 58-50 win over Port Allen over at the Thibodeau Tournament. Gage Griffin, um, did I say that right? No. I get the brothers confused, doggone it. Evan Griffin gets 30 points for his brother, Gage, who's the coach. Evan scores 30. Gage coaches the Trojans to an eight-point win. Central Lafouche over Port Allen. Good win for the Trojans. Salmon gets a 78-62 win over Desterhan. Good win for Salmon. HL Bourgeois is 0-2 over at the Natchitoches Central Tournament, but they're facing some some big hitters. Zachary beats them 77-68. So Zachary over Bourgeois over at Natchitoches. Terrebonne falls to Jesuit 67-50 over at the Jesuit Tournament. So the Terrebonne Tigers take on the host school and come up on the short end of the stick. Denham Springs gets a 58-38 win over Ellender over at the Thibodeau Tournament. Um, from what I understand, it was just a struggle for the Patriots to score throughout the course of that game. Um, and Denham Springs gets a win over Ellender there out at Thibodeau. Now, a game that was played over at White Castle, I don't know what to, to make of this, right? I don't know what to read into this. I don't know. Um, and to be honest with you, probably the, the answer is we can't read anything into this. Assumption doesn't have their football guys, right? Um, they're a small community school, very similar to South Lafouche. They need their football guys to be successful, right? Uh, they lose to Plaquemine in yesterday, 64-21. to On the surface, you look at that score and you say, ah, Assumption might not be very good in basketball this year. I'm not willing to say that until I see what it looks like at the end of the football season when they have their full team together. But Plaquemine gets the better of them, 64-21 to over at the White Castle Tournament. Um, local 4A scores, Bel Air defeats Lutcher, 65-47. to Same thing going there. 
I'm not willing to say anything about Lutcher until I see them play with their football guys, right? They are another team in the football playoffs. They're losing some games early, but we don't know what that's going to look like whenever they get their full roster together. White Castle over at the White Castle Tournament defeats Morgan City 49-42, to so a good win for White Castle in the early stages of the season. Our 3A scoreboard, we have uh, not a single local score, so nobody in 3A. I'm going to double-check that. Yep, nobody in 3A. In 2A, nobody in 2A either, but I know Homer Christian didn't play. And then we go to single A, nobody in single A either. So that was our boys' basketball scoreboard from yesterday which leads us to our girls' basketball scoreboard from yesterday. Again, same situation. We got a lot of local teams who are playing in tournaments around the state, getting some games, and are competing and trying to score some early season power points. So our girls' basketball scoreboard from yesterday is as follows. In 5A, we have Central Lafouche fall to Iota, 53-34. to Iota gets a win over Central Lafouche who um, has struggled through the early stages of the North Vermilion Tournament. Um, and the car over at their home tournament gets a 59-58 to win over Destrehan. Remember yesterday's show, we were saying Destrehan beat South Lafouche, and we were kind of hinting and wondering about how good Destrehan might be. Uh, I think that's a pretty good indication. Carr's usually a state contender. Destrehan loses to them by one. Uh, probably a sign that Destrehan is a contender. East St. John bounces back after losing to Phoenix um, on Monday. They beat McDonough 35-43-3, so a good win. We talked about Phoenix and how prolific they are and how explosive they are and how they're a really good Class C school. Well, here's a result that will further uh, illustrate that point. Hanville gets a win over Phoenix, but we know Hanville. I mean, that's usually a team that goes two, three rounds deep in the girls' basketball playoffs. Hanville beats Phoenix, yes. Final score, 36-34. to 34. So Phoenix beats East St. John one day and plays Hanville within two the next day. Um, great showing for them out there over at the Edna Car Tournament. Thibodeau is not playing at the Edna Car Tournament. They're playing at the New Iberia Tournament, and they're rolling. They got a win in the opener on Monday. Got a win yesterday over Highland Baptist, 75-46. to 46. Coach Ashley Barba's team continues to roll and continues to play at a high level. Uh, let's see. In our 4A scoreboard, we had um, da, 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 da. South Lafouche get a 43-14 win over George Washington Carver over at the Edna Car Tournament. A good win for Coach Darian Jenkins and her team. They are now 2-1 and one on the young season. This score has not been posted on the LHSA website, but I could tell you that Vanderbilt Catholic yesterday got a victory over Lafayette over at the St. Thomas Moore Tournament. So a really good win for the Terriers. That score is not on the LHSA website, but hell, I watched the game <laughs> on uh, LGR, so I could tell you that I do know that Vanderbilt did get the win there. St. James gets a 43-40 win over St. Michael the Archangel um, at the Dunham Tournament, but also in the same day, they fall to Dunham 55-51. to So St. James splits a pair of games over at the Dunham Tournament in our 3A scoreboard. Our 2A scoreboard, nothing there. Homer Christian was off. Or single-A scoreboard, nothing there. We didn't have any local results. So today we've got some teams that are playing. I could tell you, over at the Thibodeau Tournament, I'll give you the schedule of games. We had some pretty good ones that are going to be coming up. Uh, let's see. Today at Thibodeau High School, Tony Clark tells us that we have Southside at 2.30 taking on Central Lafouche. At 4 o'clock, Denham Springs will be taking on Thibodeau. 
And at 5.30, Port Allen will be taking on Ellender. So a big test for Central Lafouche taking on a mighty Southside team. By the way, I didn't give you the score um, <clears throat> because it wasn't posted on the LHSA website. But yesterday at Thibodeau, Southside did defeat Thibodeau decisively. So you got Southside and Central Lafouche, Denham Springs and Thibodeau. Port Allen and Ellender should be three good games. Admission is $8 for adults, $5 for students with an ID. That's the Thibodeau Thanksgiving Classic. Missed it on Monday. Just had some stuff going on. Yesterday, I was at Nichols. Today, I'm there. I'm going to be there 2.30, catching Southside and Central Lafouge. I'm going to catch at least some of Denham Springs and Thibodeau, if not all of it. And then we're making the the road trip across the way to E.D. White to go catch E.D. White and Ellender and the girls' basketball side of things at 5.30. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we're going to talk some high school football. We've got some postseason matchups that are just 48 hours away involving some local teams, and we will tell you uh, some of our thoughts, some of our keys, some of the things we're looking forward to seeing. It's play-by-play. By the way, uh, I didn't even mention this at the top of the show. We're flying solo today. Coach Brian Colley is headed to Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, going to spend some Thanksgiving time out in Georgia. And on Sunday, he will be actually in person watching the Saints and the Falcons. So look forward next week to getting his firsthand perspective of New Orleans and Atlanta locking up in a big old divisional matchup. It is play-by-play right here. We'll catch a break. When we get back, we'll talk some high school football on KLEB. We'll be right back after this. The music on the bayou, the all-new Raging Cajun 102.7 FM. 3T Oil Change is an efficient quick loop service that offers oil changes for gas and diesel engines, brake tags, tire sales and services, engine and cabin air filters, bulb replacement and wiper blades with the convenience of a drive through No appointment necessary. 3T Oil Change on Main Street and Cutoff. Call 798-7401. Proud supporter of South LaFouche Sports. 3T Oil Change says, Go Tarpons! Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. Become a part of something bigger and join the team. We're currently hiring for drivers, warehousemen, riggers, crane operators, and forklift operators to work out of Port Fouchon. So apply now at danos.com or call 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. That's Danos. Lady of the Sea Community Pharmacy staff are trained in finding the lowest cost available on your medication. Stop by with your prescriptions or medicine bottles and let one of us review your options with you. With two convenient locations to serve you, we're located in Rouse's Supermarket, Highway 3235 in La Rose, or at Lady of the Sea Medical Clinic in Cutoff. Our staff available Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Saturdays 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. We treat you like family at Lady of the Sea. Time is money. Don't waste both running around looking for filters, batteries, and belt sand related items. Fleet Supply Warehouse delivers. Fleet Supply offers daily scheduled delivery, including Bayou Lafouche, New Orleans, Morgan City, New Iberia, Lafayette, Thibodeau, Baton Rouge, the North Shore, plus the River Parishes, too. Automotive, lawn equipment, agricultural, marine, or industrial. Fleet Supply Warehouse. 985-868-0430. Venture Boulevard, Homa. 
Absolute Fitness wants to welcome our community to come back and check us out. You'll discover an amazing environment and a friendly and welcoming staff at Absolute Fitness. We have a 12,000 square foot facility with all new top of the line equipment, new saunas, an amazing smoothie bar, personal trainers, and much, much more. Absolute Fitness offers many types of very competitive memberships along with a dual membership with our proud partner, CrossFit Brackish. Absolute Fitness at 17092 West Main Street, Galliano. Come on! Yeah! If you want it all back, jump to your feet right now! Brody Williams joins us in the next segment of Play by Play. Um, Brody's a food guy. Can't wait to hear what's going to be on his Thanksgiving Day plate. I'm going to ask Turtle the same question. For me, I'm not a big... I was just actually talking about this with Ken. Not a big turkey guy, right? Um, if it's if it's hot, if it's moist, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll put it in the plate, right? But I don't know. When it sits for a little while and it kind of dries up and... Not a big turkey guy. So for Thanksgiving on my plate, I'm more of a gumbo guy if it's there, um, which fortunately at my house it, it will be. Um, more of a gumbo guy, more of a ham guy, uh, rice dressing type of guy. And then for me, to be honest with you, what I look forward to the most is look, I'm gonna I'm gonna fill up on the main dishes, but I'm not going to overflow on the main dishes. I'm going to just put some in my belly and, and get some in the reserves. Where my money is going to be made is going to be at about 2.30, 3 o'clock, 3.30. I'm going to go and sneak into the kitchen. Football is going to be on. Half the people are going to be taking naps. Half the people are going to be you know, going to another destination. The house is going to be half empty. I'm going to sneak into the kitchen. I'm going to get me a slice of some pecan pie. I'm going to get me a slice of, you know, tachala bouilli. I'm more of a after-lunch dessert guy, kind of like my meal between the meals. I'm going to get about 1,000 calories worth of dessert in the hours of 2.30 to 3.30, right? That's what I look forward to the most is the stuff that will fill up my sweet tooth in between the meals. That's what that's where all the money is made for me. Uh, so that's what I'm looking forward to most. But anyway, hope everybody's having a wonderful Thanksgiving. We've got high school football um, Friday. I was about to say tomorrow. No, it's not tomorrow. It is Friday. We've got high school football um, division one. We have a semi-local matchup. Destrahan will be taking on Zachary. Destrahan is undefeated for the last gazillion years. They've got a 20-plus game win streak. Don't know if they are going to have their coach, Coach Scott, in the lineup. Remember we said earlier in the week that he missed their second-round game with um, a medical issue that the school described as a medical issue with a positive outcome. We have learned what they meant by that in recent days, and boy, they weren't kidding. Coach Scott was on a waiting list for a kidney transplant and got a call sometime late last week and was told, Bubba, we found the match. Um, come get your kidney. Um, so he had a transplant surgery late last week, was not on the sideline as Destrahan beat Belchase. Don't know if he's going to be on the sidelines when they take on Zachary on Friday, but Win, lose, or draw, man. According to all reports, the surgery went well. 
And that's amazing news, man. Like you talk about a, a, a miracle, a holiday miracle. The note of the fact that this man was struggling for such a you know a long time and having kidney issues and needed a transplant and and was able to get one. And then that's just step one. Step two is you got to have a very um, very complex surgery to get someone else's organ into your body and to get your body to accept that organ. And it's it's not a comp, it's not a, uh, a a very easy thing. It's a very complex thing. Um, but it sounds like everything's going well. And Destrahan will be taking on a heavy hitter in Zachary, who <clears throat> didn't need the help, right? Zachary already had one of the great teams in the state of Louisiana, but then they go and get the number one tight end in the country, part of what Zachary does, right? They boy, People in their senior seasons just magically seem to move from North Louisiana to the Baton Rouge area. Crazy how that works. And, and it's it's only kids that are four- and five-star recruits. It's crazy how that works. Have a kid from North Louisiana who's a five-star, a four-star, number one tight end in the state, number one, like one of the best tight ends in the country, who just magically before his senior year moved to Zachary and now is part of that program. Um, and we didn't really seem to ask very many questions with the LHSA. Just kind of let it happen. Yeah, you're, you're good. You're automatically eligible. Go ahead. Um, so they didn't need the help. They already had a great team. Now you add that big weapon, Tredez Green, into the lineup. It's going to be tough for Destrehan. I really, truly believe that there's a possibility that on Friday, that game there, <clears throat> which will be out in our area, right, is going to be at Destrehan Friday at 7 o'clock. That could potentially be the state championship game. Those might be the two best teams left in the bracket. Though I will say this, Dutchtown, who South LaFouche saw in the opening round, might have something to say about that because they followed up their 42-0 win over South LaFouche with a 48-7 win over Chalmette and really flexed their muscles. So we'll see. But the big one I'm looking at is Destrehan and Zachary in that bracket. Can Destrehan's powerful defense, which this season has not given up more than 13 points in a game all year, can they hold down the Zachary offense, which has been ripping and roaring? They scored 51 in round one, 49 in round two. Can Destrehan hold them down and play the game their way, which is going to be run the ball, control field position, control time of possession, um, a more conservative, old-school Alabama approach. They want to beat you 21-7. to Zachary wants to beat you 45-31. to If the game becomes that type of a track meet, Destrehan won't be able to keep up. They won't. Zachary is going to run past them if it becomes a track meet. If it stays a physical, you know, battle of the trenches football game, Destrehan's got a shot. So whichever team controls the styles there is going to probably be the team that moves forward. Division two, non-select. We've got Lutcher taking on Opelousas. We had Dwayne Jenkins on earlier in the week talking about Opelousas, and he <clears throat> told us all sorts of stuff, man. You know, hey, he said point blank, like, hey, they got six, seven guys that are commitments to D1 schools, and they're better than the 12 seed, and they were one of the best teams last year, brought everybody back, and just was was going on and on about how impressed he was with Opelousas. For Lutcher, the key to the game is going to be very similar to the key to the game for Destrehan. Lutcher does not have an explosive offense, folks. Saw them against South Lafouche, and, and yeah, they had their way at times, but a lot of that was because of some short fields. They controlled field position, whatever it may be. If Lutcher is going to be asked to score 40 points in this game, Lutcher is going to get eliminated. Lutcher wants this to be a 24-17, 21-14. They want this to be a drag-em-out, 
We're going to win field position. We're going to make you punt deep in your own territory. We're going to take the punt at the 50, run it to your 40. We're going to have some short fields. They want it to be that style of game. If Opelousas is able to open it up and get going and get their athletes going downhill, then it's going to be a game like Opelousas has had many times this season where they're scoring in the 40s and the 50s, and Lutcher's offense is just not built to do that. I know I broke down two games almost the exact same way, but it's the exact same style of matchup. Destrahan, dominant defense, offense that just tries not to screw it up. Lutcher, dominant defense, an offense that just tries to not screw it up. And they're both facing teams with very explosive offenses on the other side that are going to be trying to get the opposing offense out of schedule, out of rhythm, and have to have, to have them score more points than they otherwise would. So Lutcher and Opelousas, that's Friday, 7 o'clock over at Lutcher. Going to be a big test for Lutcher in that game. I would favor Assumption on Friday over Northwest. Northwest is kind of a Cinderella story, right? They're the 22 seed. They got an opening round win over Franklin Parish, then upset Wasman 24-14 last week. It's going to just be tough to see uh, a world where Northwest goes on the road for the third straight week and gets a win in front of what's going to be a rowdy, jam-packed, um, raucous crowd over at Assumption. Can you imagine? Remember, folks, Assumption has a one-sided stadium. They don't have bleachers on the other side. It's just that one side. All of Napoleonville is going to be there, and I'm sure Northwest is going to travel well, too. The place is going to be rocking. If I had to guess, there's going to be fans on the track because the stadium is going to probably overflow. It's going to be a good, old-fashioned um, high school football, old-school type of game. And Assumption's run game is explosive, is powerful, and I have a hard time envisioning a Northwest team slowing them down enough. Northwest has some good wins this year. They beat Iota. That's a pretty good win. Um, lost to Church Point. That's a tough one. Lost to Northside. That's a tough one. Lost to Eunice. That's a tough one. But I don't think they're going to have the weapons in the arsenal to slow down Turner and Jacobs. No one in the back end of the season has been able to do that. I would favor Assumption to punch a ticket to the semifinals. Now, if they're able to do that, they may be running into a buzzsaw because at the bottom of the bracket is the Cecilia Bulldogs and our buddy coach Dennis Gaines. And Dennis, if you're listening, hope you're having a wonderful holiday. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our coaches around the area and beyond. Cecilia is the hottest team in Division II non-select right now. They're the number two seed. Uh, Diesel Solari, their quarterback, is unbelievable. They're running back. Uh, Solari ran for like 260 yards on Friday. And their running back, I believe the kid's name is Williams, ran for six touchdowns for a Cecilia team that won 70-30 to against Iota. Cecilia's taking on Jennings, and I really think Dennis is in a good spot. I don't like to compare scores of common opponents, but Jennings beat Iota 15-14 to earlier this season. Cecilia just beat Iota 70-30. to So it's hard for me to sit up here and say, hey, I don't think Cecilia's favorite. I think they're heavily favored. I think Cecilia's going to score. I think they're going to get some stops. And I'm looking at another, you know, 45, 50 points showing, giving up 20, 30 points. I think Cecilia's going to move on. I think there's a great chance that next Friday we have Dennis Gaines and Will Broussard, two guys with South Lafouche ties, facing one another for a spot in the Dome. How cool would that be? And by the way, Lutcher has on their staff Coach Blake Forsythe, who has South Lafouche ties. So we may have a lot of former Tarpons in the Superdome. Division three. 
You got St. James, who's going to be hosting Manet. And I got to tell you, it's going to be tough for St. James on Friday. St. James is the three seed, and they have played well all year long. But Manet is a traditional power. Manet is one of those schools that year in, year out, is one of the best teams in the state of Louisiana. They have lost to Sam Houston and Newman. They haven't lost a game since October. Their last loss was September 22nd. They're rounding into form in the postseason so far. They have won 61 to nothing. They've won 45 to nothing. It's going to be tough for St. James to defend their home field against such a story program, a program that has so much success and so much history in the Dome. Wouldn't be surprised if they do it, but it's going to be a dogfight. That one, to me, is a pick'em game. That's a toss-up game. That one could go either way. We go to Division Two Select. And I got to tell you, um, E.D. White, though they're the two seed, might slightly, on paper at least, be an underdog against Turlings Catholic. Turlings Catholic has three losses this season to St. Charles Catholic, to Lafayette Christian. Now, Lafayette Christian waxed them now, 61-3. to But then the very next week, they followed that up and lost to St. Thomas Moore, 35-34. to Those are some good results. They also have wins over Brobridge. Westgate, Notre Dame, Opelousas, who we were just talking about. This is a Turlings team that is very, very gifted. Very gifted. They've got a lot of very talented players on that roster. Now, that's not to take anything away from E.D. White. Hell, E.D. White hasn't lost all year. They're 11-0. But they're facing a, an opponent that I think is better than De La Salle, who E.D. White struggled past in the opening round. I would slightly favor Turlings in that game, though I have learned to never doubt E.D. White. I wouldn't be surprised if they got the win, but they're going to have to play this game their way. E.D. White struggled to run the football against De La Salle, and they made some plays in the passing game, and it kind of saved them there at the end. I don't think they'll be able to do that this, this go-round. If E.D. White wants to advance and move on to the semifinals where they would play the winner between Lafayette Christian and McDonough 35, they are going to have to better establish the line of scrimmage offensively. They're going to have to better control the clock, and they're going to have to make sure that the style of the game is the way that they want it to be. Because if this becomes a game in the 30s, 40s, 50s, uh-uh, no, 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 no. E.D. White's going to want to control the time of possession, keep the ball in their hands, keep their defense off the field, keep Turlings as playmakers off the field, and then what that does is that demoralizes the opponent. When you could physically dominate them up front, that demoralizes the opponent. That's the way E.D. White needs to play if they want to move on to the next round against a Turlings team that I think is going to be more than capable of coming down to Thibodeau and trying to get themselves a strong result. In Division Three Select, we don't have anything of local interest, but I do think St. Charles and Notre Dame should be a lot of fun. Newman and Episcopal should be a lot of fun. We're rooting for Parkview Baptist against Calvary Baptist just because, you know, Coach Maya used to be at Parkview. Division four select. We got Central Catholic of Morgan City who's going to be taking on Southern Lab. Central Catholic got a 6-2 to two win over Frederick. Southern Lab got a 47-27 to 27 win over Hanson Memorial. We talked about this earlier in the week. There are some common opponents there, right? Uh, some of these teams have faced some common opponents, and the results are roughly the same. I think you got to favor Southern Lab for the pedigree. They're at home, everything uh, you know that we talked about earlier in the week. But don't be surprised if Central Catholic goes on the road and gives them a game. Don't be surprised. They are very well coached. They are very athletic. They've got some dudes that can make some things happen. Don't be surprised if Central Catholic gives them a game. And then, of course, at the top of the bracket, you got Ascension Catholic, a team that I saw in 
May, and I came here and said, man, Ascension Catholics is going to be good. Well, lo and behold, they're playing on Thanksgiving week. They're taking on the number one seed, Vermilion Catholic. Vermilion Catholic is going to be favored to win that ball game, uh, but you're facing an Ascension Catholic team that's just off of scoring 77 points. So <laughs> should be another uh, fireworks show there as those two teams lock up. That's kind of a rundown of some of the things. We Look, by the way, we're not doing a show tomorrow. We're not doing a show Friday. So we're kind of breaking these matchups down because it's our last chance to do so. We will be on live on the Sports Corner on Saturday at noon to talk about uh, all the results. And then I'm going to be calling the Nichols game uh, Saturday afternoon. So we do have a busy Saturday uh, planned, but we got a couple of days off after today. Let's catch a break. When we get back, Coach Brody Williams of South Lafouche Boys Basketball. The Tarpons have not yet started their season but they are about to start their season, and we'll ask Brody what it's looking like at practice now that he's got his football guys back. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this. At Riley Johns Blue Boot Foundation, our mission is to help everyone be safer in and around water. Did you know drowning is the number one accidental cause of death in children under the age of four and the second leading cause of accidental death in children under the age of 14? Adolescents and adults are at greater risk of drowning in open water. Remember, drowning is preventable. Join Riley John's Blue Boot Foundation. Introducing Six Flags Plus, your pass to a whole year of unlimited visits with access to all Six Flags theme parks and water parks. Plus priority entry, plus parking, plus in-park discounts on food and more. Plus amazing rides and awesome events you don't want to miss. Get all you love about Six Flags. The new Six Flags Plus. All of Six Flags, all year. Experience Six Flags Plus now for just $11.99 a month. See details at SixFlags.com. Energize your business with Bayou Black Electric Supply in Homa. When you're elbow deep in a job, the last thing you need is to lose time and money fetching electrical supplies. Bayou Black Electric will deliver your items to the job site. There's daily scheduled service throughout South Louisiana, Lafouche, Terrebonne, Morgan City, New Iberia, and Lafayette. Plus, the river parishes too. If you need parts, call Bayou Black Electric Supply. 985-223-8807. Highway 311 in Homa. Hello, friends and family. Taylor Griffin here, back again to talk about Dufresne Building Materials. Did you know that we have a new updated online order system called Dufresne Easy Buy? Come see us at dofriendlumber.com to check it out and get you started with a free quote. We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell Chase, Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the Dufresne difference. Welcome back to Play by Play here. Casey just clear flying the plane solo, driving the ship solo with Coach Brian Colley headed to Atlanta. We go to the phone lines for the first time today, and we have South Lafouche boys basketball coach, Coach Brody Williams on the line. Brody, good afternoon, buddy. How are we doing today? Doing good, Casey. How y'all doing? Good, bro. Uh, look, before we dive into the basketball stuff, I was mentioning earlier in the show, I was telling everybody what I love on Thanksgiving and all the things that's on my plate. You're a food guy. What are some of your favorite Thanksgiving dishes, brother? I always go for the mac and cheese, dirty rice. I'm not a big turkey guy. Thank uh, you. I'm, not a big turkey. I'm more of a ham guy. 
Um, pretty much anything but the turkey. I don't eat the turkey much, but I eat all the all the sides and the ham and all that good stuff. Oyster dressing, a seafood gumbo, all that stuff. So. I eat it all, and then I pass out for about three hours. <laughs> I said the same exact thing, dude. I said, like, you know, I'll go and get some gumbo. I'll go and get, you know, some ham. I'm not a big turkey guy unless if it's really moist and really fresh out of, you know, wherever it was cooked in. Um, but I also said this, Brody. Now, my favorite thing about Thanksgiving is, oh, about two thirty, three o'clock, whenever the lunch is finally settled, you maybe got some shut-eye. Boy, I'm a big dessert guy. Are you a big dessert guy? Yeah, I like uh – my my grandma every year makes a every grandma makes a pumpkin swirl that's pretty good homemade from scratch, um, pecan pie whatever anybody brings I I eat anything we do something uh, it's like a yellow cake and they put condensed milk all over it Ooh. you can't it's deadly I mean, if you eat too much of that you're gonna get the lockjaw but um, <laughs> it, it's really it's really really good so, I, yeah. I, I go way over the caloric limit every year for uh, for Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's what it's there for, brother. Let's talk some basketball. Um, you guys have not yet played an official game, but you have your full squad now with football season coming to an end. Uh, look, man, it was tough. I you know, saw some clips of the jamboree. It was it was tough. You guys were extremely shorthanded. But now that you got everybody back, how's things been in practice, man? It's been good. You know, they're really energetic. Uh, I think a lot of the kids are buying in. The young team, so they they uh, they're more susceptible uh, to, to the coaching, and they're really taking it well. And you know, we're holding them accountable. We're doing things things a little a little old school, like like Coach Collie used to do, and they're holding them accountable. Some things kind of lost sight of last year at that times. You know, we charting charges and turnovers and missed layups, and uh, they late. They you know they have certain you know running they have to do or. Uh, we make sure they go in the gym. And they have a they have a goal in mind, and not just going, you know, BS and 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 messing around in the gym. So every every minute counts, and that's kind of what we what we what we take in, into practice is that we we go in as hard as we possibly can for two hours, two and a half hours maybe, and it's all business. And then when we out outside in the locker room, that's when we can relax and hang out and and you know be more friendly. But when we in the gym, it's more business. I think they take it to that well. And we're holding them accountable. They holding. They're starting to hold each other accountable. So I'm looking forward to it. I think. I think we'll have a good group on the court, and we'll, we'll be able to play a lot of kids. Yeah, no, that's a good thing, dude. Um, looking at your early season schedule, and look, I, I mean this with 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 no disrespect to any of the opponents, but the first four games: Thibodeau, Catholic of New Iberia, Thibodeau again, then South Terrebonne. I think all four of those are very winnable. And then the schedule really ramps up. You know, Jesuit, Central Lafouche, Ter- Terrebonne, Destrehan, so on. How important is it, knowing that you got some some an opportunity to get off this strong start, how important is it to take advantage of that first week of the year next week? Super important because, you know, if you start out not like you're supposed to or you lose some close games where you could have won, you know, you're going to go into some games that are going to be really tough to win. Not saying they're not every game's winnable, you know, but – they're going to be tough to win. And, uh, you know, no one wants to get started off to, you know, a 1-9 and nine or 0-10 type record because then you start kind of losing the kids. might be losing their interest, losing their uh, – and, they, you know, they start kind of checking you out a little bit. Like, oh, you know, what he's coaching me is not working and stuff like that. So it's super important that we, we stay true to who we are and, uh, you know, we compete at a high level you know, and do what we can. You know, I told him today. We can only do what we can do. We got to focus on us. You know, we can't we can't go and and try to 
yeah, of course we're going to scout and look at an opponent and see what they do, but ultimately we've got to do what we do and do it well at a high level and compete. And uh, hopefully like, we'll get off to that strong start. If we do, I think we'll be in good shape going forward. You know, it's a little weird, right? Uh, you faced the same opponent two times in like four days. Monday you faced Thibodeau down the bay in the tank. Then Friday you faced them again at the Vanderbilt Catholic Tournament. Um, that's kind of odd. I mean, and it's like nobody's fault. I mean, it's just the way the schedules fell. But to face the same team twice, both in the same week, it almost has like an NBA playoffs feel where it's going to be who makes those adjustments in between games. And like that will be fun to see how that shakes out. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't. I'm not a big fan. I don't like that. I didn't know we pulled Thibodeau in that tournament um, because it's just tough to beat a team twice unless you're just flat out better than them, which we're not than Thibodeau. You know, uh, Thibodeau's well coached. They're gonna they're gonna be super aggressive. They got athletes. Um, you know, I think we I think we could compete. It's gonna be a competitive game, but that's tough in a week span. You know, uh, playing the same team twice. Uh, but we're up for the challenge. We're just going to face this opponent. You know, we're going to show up and do what we do, and and hopefully, uh, you know, some shots fall for us, and we play good defense. What is the difference between year two versus year one? Year one is always kind of awkward. The kids are kind of learning you a little bit. And, look, they knew you. You were on staff. But year two, you kind of got a better feel for the routine. You kind of have implemented some stuff that you wanted to tweak a little bit. Coaches always tell me year two so much easier than year one. Is that kind of the situation for you at South LaFouche? Oh, absolutely. I feel much more comfortable and much more sure of myself. Not where I want to be, obviously. I mean, third-year guys are still learning. But just the, the not even the basketball stuff, too, like the other stuff off the court, like getting purchase orders for, for this and buying this for the team and making sure you have a bus schedule and, making sure you're always staying ahead in your planning and planning practices without, like, I just feel comfortable with it all. It's just like teaching, you know, your first year teaching, you just, you just kind of squirt by. You don't really, you don't really do much your first year teaching. Then your second year, you're more comfortable and you kind of establish your routine. And look, I, I want to shout out my assistant coaches because they, they really, they helped me out a lot this year, just as Brett Crosby did in the past. But they, you know, they buy in, they, you know, Coach Bryce Gitter's been around, and he knows kind of what we want to do and what we get. We want to get accomplished. Coach Coach Daniel Dickinson played for Coach Kyle, so it's a lot of familiarity, and we we all we, we like working with each other. We laugh, you know, but we in the gym, we're all on the same page, and uh, we we feed well off each other. So I think, and the kids really really enjoy uh, you know us together. So I think it's going to be a good good atmosphere among you know in the locker room, and year two is definitely. Uh, looking much better in year one. So tell me about this, man. And I, I, I ask coaches this all the time, and if I've already asked you this, I apologize. But when you have a guy like Landon Dordor or Terrence Petrie or Sawyer Wells or Jarvis or whoever it may be, one of those football guys who came over to basketball probably with some confidence because they had very strong football seasons. You know, Sawyer Wells was playing both ways and was doing big stuff and Meathead was nearing a thousand yards. Terrence Petrie had, by the end of the year was one of y'all best receivers. Does that confidence and that swagger that they generate as football, does that carry over to the basketball floor? Is that look, Hey, you know, we've already succeeded at the varsity level at another sport. We don't have anything to be intimidated of. Right. I, I, I wanted to ride that confidence, you know, and, but in the next breath, you know, it's a little different and I don't want it to be, 
there's a fine line between being confident and being you know, overconfident or cocky. I like confidence. You know, I like when, when kids get in there and they make good decisions and they, they confident with the decisions they make. And I've seen that from all those players you mentioned. Uh, that, you know, they, they play like Scar Wells. He just plays so hard. He rebounds. He's actually struggling with chin splints right now. So he's kind of down in the dumps about that. But Terrence, you know, you've been watching Terrence play basketball. Uh, since he's little, he's just a great player all around. He, he, he sees the floor. He's the guy handling the ball for us. And Jarvis is so explosive defensively. I mean, he can get he, he can get up to somebody and get deflections and get steals and go coast to coast. It's so fast. So I, I am seeing a translation. But in the next breath, I wasn't understand that if we're gonna win at a high level or like we want to win, we're gonna have to play team oriented basketball and um, not gonna be a one man show. Which I think they've been buying into that, like I said earlier. So I think everything's going good so far, and I want them to just keep riding that that confidence wave. Yeah, talk about that. You kind of touched on it a second ago. Last year you guys were a unique situation is that there were a lot of games where you would win, uh, let's say, 60 to 52, and then one kid would have like 38 of the 60. (laughs) Uh, You know, this year it shouldn't be that way. It's going to probably be a Tarpon team that's more – you know, well, this guy got 12, this guy got nine, three other guys got seven. Like, it's going to take an effort where you're going to have to have six or seven guys pitching in, whereas last year it was just kind of BJ and then just hopefully one or two other guys stepped up. Right. And, like, last year we only played at the most seven people. I think this year, we, you know, a lot of us are all on the same playing field. Like, we're going to have, like I said, like you said, we have to play team-oriented basketball. It's going to be shared a well, spread it out, not one guy scoring all the points. So we're going to be able to play, I think, nine to ten guys, you know, that can actually get in there and function and, and you know, not turn the ball over, do what we do at offense, play good defense. We're going to have some guys that can get in there and, and produce a little bit. So <clears throat> that's a little different because a lot of times in the past we only had, you know, maybe seven, six, maybe eight that would go in and get some minutes. This year, uh, you know, you're going to have your starting five, but there's going to be a lot of, other people pushing them for playing time. And, and that, in practice, we made it a competition where, you know, we don't know who the starters are yet. It goes day by day, and whoever produces in practice is going to start. So that's kind of where we're at right now. And it's a good luxury to have because it takes a little uh, – it pushes each other in practice, and it's forced to play hard in practice. So that's something that's a little bit different than last year. Last year we had five or six, seven guys that could play, and then that was it. Um, so that's a little different this year. Open up the season on Monday against Thibodeau. Uh, what are some? I mean, I know that there's going to probably be a little bit of downtime here with Thanksgiving, but what are some things you're hoping to see between now and Monday at seven o'clock when you tip off to let you know, all right, our guys are ready to roll. Uh, in practice, I want us to stop turning the ball over so much and focus more on you know playing off of two feet, you know, jump stops, throwing in the lane. You play off two feet, you can make a lot of good decisions, uh, kick outs, backdoor cutters, shoot the ball. Just so being like strong with the ball in practice, which we got, we're getting better every day, but we're still not where I want to be at. And finishing inside, we we're struggling right now to finish baskets inside, and we kind of set up a lot of three point shots. I would like to see us establish an inside game first. We're going to have some shooters uh, that can spot up, but if we don't establish the inside game, they're just going to pressure the perimeter, and we're not going to be able to get you know any any shot off. So finishing at the rim. Uh, strong with the ball on offense, and then defensively, I'm just hoping we can we can keep them out of the lane and just play old school tarpon basketball, where you see charges being taken, boxing out on on defense, 
you know, um, talking on defense, playing physical, um, you know, and playing just good all around team, man to man defense. So, um, that's really what we're looking for. And then from day one, from, from the game one, we'll make adjustments and we'll keep going there and get better each day. That's the model. Just every day get better. Have a purpose when you go in the gym and get better each day. Last question before we let you go. I know Caden um, Jarvis injured, I believe, his foot or his ankle or something like that during football. Uh, and I know he missed the remainder of the football season after the injury. Is there an expectation that he can maybe get back at some point in the basketball schedule? Yeah, he actually got his cast off today. I saw him today. So his cast is off. He's good. Now it's not, you know, he has to do a lot of physical therapy. Um, I mean, he, he's chomping at the bit. He's ready to go. But I don't want to get in a situation where he does it too early and he gets re-injured. But I think possibly by maybe mid-January. Okay. That, that would be my prediction. I don't, I'm not 100%, but possibly by mid-January before district or right at district time, who may have him. Sounds like a winner, bro. What was that? His cast is off, though. He's, he's all healed up. He just needs to strengthen it back up a little bit. Good deal, brother. Well, look, man, we thank you so much for the time. Happy Thanksgiving to you and the family. And, bro, don't go overboard tomorrow, man. <laughs> Uh, I'll try not to have a Thanksgiving. Yep, that's Brody Williams at South who's doing a wonderful job. And uh, can't wait to see them on Monday. They take on Thibodeau. Um, I am told from my buddy Coach Case that the second game of the Tarpon schedule is going to be a brutal one, Catholic of New Iberia. They're a two-way school, but they're a two-way school that made the top 28 last year and brought just about everybody back. So that makes that opener against Thibodeau even more important. you got to get off to a strong start. At the Vanderbilt Tournament next week, they take on Catholic of New Iberia on Thursday, Thibodeau on Friday, South Terrible on Saturday. And I really believe it's important that you, at bare minimum, go 2-2, two and two, probably need to go 3-1 and one in that stretch because then you got Jesuit, Central, Destrahan, Terrebonne. Like, it really tightens up after that. So it's very important, in my estimation, in my opinion, that the Tarpons get off to a strong start. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we're going to Taylor Griffin. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this quick timeout, making a trip to visit the turtle. Entergy Louisiana is strengthening our power grid from Lake Charles to Baton Rouge, Metairie to Monroe. Our blueprint covers the state. Nearly 10,000 projects, over 11,000 miles of transmission line. We're reinforcing infrastructure to prepare for stronger storms, reduce outages, and respond quicker when you do need us. We're making stronger connections in every community because together, we power life. During this holiday season, our thoughts turn gracefully to those who have made our progress possible. And in this spirit, we say sincerely thank you and best wishes for the holiday season and a happy new year from everyone at Ashley Barrios State Farm Insurance. Education. Prevention. Care. At Terrebonne General Community Sports Institute, we're committed to impacting future generations through promoting healthcare education and disease prevention. Our team specializes in athletic injury prevention and post care, using the latest techniques to help athletes perform at their best and stay in the game or get them back in action. Discover more about how Terrebonne General Community Sports Institute provides healthcare for our community at tghealthsystem.com. State Bank and Trust Company has provided Cajun banking served just the way you like it for now 70 years. State Bank offers a wide variety of modern conveniences without having to sacrifice that personal touch that we all know and love. So stop by today and get a taste of Cajun banking and be met by a smiling, familiar face who loves our area as much as you do. That State Bank and Trust Company still standing strong after 70 years of loyal service to our community. 
No Wake Outfitters is the best fly shop and paddle sports dealer in Metairie, but we offer so much more. We can prepare you for hunting season with Lamco game feeders and functional, comfortable camo wear from Duck Camp. And we outfit kayaks to get you in those shallow duck ponds and keep you camouflaged. Let our knowledgeable staff help you have your best season. Also offering Duck Camp and Orvis Outdoor Apparel for men and women. Check out the exclusive brands like Rugged Road, Turtle Box, New Canoe, Old Town, and more. No Wake Outfitters. 1926 Airline Drive. Ivan Mettery. Welcome back to Play by Play here on KLEB. It's Wednesday. It's a little after 12.15. We kind of got behind schedule just a touch, but that's okay because we've got Taylor Griffin who's joining us now for his regular Wednesday interview. Turtle, good afternoon, buddy. How are we doing today? Hey, doing fantastic. How y'all doing? Good. Look, we had Coach Brody Williams on in the last segment of the show, and the first question I asked him is the first question I'm going to ask you. Tomorrow, 11.30 a.m., noon, 12.30, whenever it is you guys are eating dinner, what's going to be on Taylor Griffin's plate? Uh, turkey, ham, cornbread dressing, uh, and at least two or three rolls with way too much butter on them. So, so Brody and I are not turkey guys, but that was the first thing you said. Is it, is it just because it's Thanksgiving tradition or do you actually enjoy the, the, the turkey part of it? Uh, I actually do enjoy it. And, uh, you know, I've been noticing a bit of some, uh, turkey bad mouthery lately on facebook people who are just uh you know you know why why do we do this why are we eating this turkey's trash we'll be eating roast instead we'll be eating prime rib instead like man turkey is delicious if you do it right now look i understand i agree with some people sometimes it's too dry me personally hope i don't insult anyone hope no distant family members are listening but to me a baked turkey is lazy if you do it right, if it's smoked, if it's deep fried, if it's something like that, now we talk. That's the kind of turkey I'm in for. I agree with that, actually. And I said I'll eat it if it's moist, but too often it's not. So now that we got that out of the way, let's talk. Uh, let's start off with Nichols basketball. You and I were both there uh, yesterday. The Colonels get a win over Blue Mountain College. Not a surprise. You're supposed to beat Blue Mountain College in your home opener. But a couple of things that I noticed is the first is that Nichols is still really talented. I mean, you got this Jamal West kid who's making plays. You got transfers all over the floor making plays. They were shooting the lights out from distance yesterday. They've got a big 6'11 with long, lanky arms. He could jump. He could fly. Like, he's going to cause matchup problems. That's the first thing is that the job that Coach Sadler and his staff have done to rebuild this roster in one year is incredible. The second thing is that Nichols actually moved their benches. They were on the front entrance side of the gym under clunch now they're on the back uh, bench you know next to where i sit for espn plus so i was able to see a lot of how coach sadler handles himself look you're thinking a young guy still in his 20s you would think he'd be very emotional would be kind of you know letting his his emotions ride on his sleeve he's very calm he's very cerebral he's very poised and he's got a great handle on that team i was really impressed a with the talent but B, also with Coach Sadler, just the way he goes about his business, man, the Colonel's got a good one. Yep. <clears throat> yep, I definitely agree with you there. Um, first thing I want to touch on, you know, for any lifelong, uh, or, or for anyone who's not a lifelong Nichols fan, for anyone kind of just joining the party here in the last few years, um, the old uh, left side of the scores table position goes back to where Coach Piper used to do it. Now we're talking 
two, three head coaches ago. Richie Riley moved it over to the other side. Clunch stayed on the other side. Avon Sadler's bringing it back to the left side where uh, the, the entire Piper era had their home bench. But um, So for anyone who hasn't been at Stouffer Gym listening right now, since then, the, uh, the old bench is back home to where you're used to seeing it. Uh, but, yes, Coach Sadler is well well-versed way beyond his years he's 28 years old but i don't care what the calendar says man he's he's like uh a sharp 40 year old head coach who's been doing it for a long time he is he's very calm as you said you know he climbs into his guys and really really gets in their faces when he needs to you know he gets on his assistants when they need to but it's all you know for the greater good I mean, it's all, it's part of coaching, but he's, man, throughout the course of the game, you don't, you don't see anything really getting to him, really throwing him off his course. He's uh, got a great mind for the game, years and years of experience. I mean, I don't know what he was doing when he was five years old. I'm sure he's been playing all his life, but man, he's, he's been all over the place. He's been at Maryland. He's been here. He's been, uh, and I can't, I can't remember the other stops in between right off the top of my head, but he's, uh, I think he's the right guy for the job, and like I said, man, well, well beyond the age of 28 as far as the basketball mentality goes. Great, great guy to be in that position. We're approaching the start to our high school basketball coverage here on Coastal Broadcasting, and around the area, Turtle, it's it's a little bit different. Um, Vanderbilt is probably the cream of the crop for both boys and girls. Their girls return just about everybody from a top 28 team. Saw them earlier this year. They're sensational. Their boys have a guy by the name of Jaden Coleman, who's the nephew of Lionheart Leslie, who in the 10th grade looks like he's a better high school player than Fuddy ever was. I mean, that's scary. Vanderbilt is loaded. Ellen, there's a little bit down, boys and girls. South Lafouche is kind of the great unknown. Thibodeau's strong for the girls. The boys, it's a question mark. We got a lot of um, I's to dot and T's to cross, but it'll be entertaining in those first couple of weeks of the season to see who's who. Tarpons get on the floor for the boys on Monday. The ladies are two and one. It's exciting, bro. It feels like Christmas Eve. We're about ready to open up that gift and see what we got. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I'm I'm really excited. You know, uh, with uh, last year being Coach Brody Williams' first year, you know, he he had a really unique situation with with some of the uh, you know the prominent players in the area. You know, obviously the most prominent one last year and there was just a, a strange exit and a strange end to the season and now he's got he's, it's almost like it's his second first year he's got a fresh start man you know you got you got some distractions out of the way negativity out of the way and it's almost like that was year 1a this is year 1b you know so i you got to give him time. You got to be patient with him. But I, I think I think Coach Williams is in the right spot. I think the guys under him are going to be excited to play for him. I uh, I don't know what they have talent wise. You know, I know they got some young guys that that had come up. I know uh, I heard a lot a lot of good about some of those some of those freshmen that came up from LCO last year that could perhaps make some impacts this year but again look I haven't peeked in the locker room I haven't peeked in on a practice I don't know if those guys are ready for varsity action just yet but as far as the future of Tarpon basketball goes I'm hearing a lot of good things immediate future as in what's going to happen Monday I don't know we'll see you know you could 
you could coach these guys up, you could prepare them, you could watch all the film in the world, but at the end of the day, they got to go on the floor and execute. And it's, um, you know, it is it is Coach Williams' job to have them ready, but they also have to do their part and just flat out get it done. They got to play good basketball. So I'm excited to see what they got. Um, as you mentioned, yeah, Vanderbilt's going to be scary. You know, um, they've uh, they're they're loaded. They are. You know, I would say the favorite to win district. Uh, after you and I, uh, we were talking last night. You were telling me about Ellender, how they were losing. Well, what's the update on that? Did they finish that game uh, on top or no? They, they lost to, by 20 to Denham Springs. Uh, in the first game of the tournament, they beat Thibodeau in double overtime. And then earlier this season, they got blasted by Bourgeois. So they're 1-2 and two to start the year. I got you. I got you. So, yeah, that, you know, that's that's weird. And, and you and I have talked about this before. You know, it's crazy how Ellender just goes through those cycles you know they'll have six or seven years of just dominant the favorite to win district every year just absolutely loaded and then every once in a while they just have that down year and it's a bunch of it's a bunch of ninth graders maybe one or two tenth graders that they're just not not all done here with their growth spurts they're not all done learning how to play the game and it's just like hey watch out next year they'll be back to traditional L in the basketball. But right now seems to be sort of a down year for them after peeking in on them a little bit. But um, either way, man, I'm excited. The local area basketball, is always, it's always exciting to be a part of. It's, it's exciting to be an announcer, a, a viewer, a fan, all of the above. I, uh, I can't wait till we, till you and I you know, get back behind the table and uh, start doing some commentary. No doubt. Uh, look, man, I asked Brody this question in the last segment of the show. He came on before you did. And, and uh, I asked a lot of coaches this time of the year this question. And, and the reason why I do it is because they all have different answers. Some of them say, oh, yeah, for sure. Others are like, yeah, I don't know. So the question is, South Lafouche, as you said a minute ago, is going to have a lot of ninth and 10th graders playing varsity, right? But it's a lot of ninth and 10th graders who are coming off of a football season where they started and played well, and you know Landon Dardar uh, couldn't tackle him. He had was almost a thousand yard rusher. Terrence Petrie played well. Bo Georges played well. You saw your wells. Like these are all extreme underclassmen who are coming into your program, but they have the confidence of kicking some ass in another sport. Does that momentum carry over? Whereas like a guy like Meathead Dardar could say, "Hey, man, like." They couldn't tackle me in football, so why would they be able to stop me in basketball? Like, does that momentum carry over from one sport to the next? You think? I really hope it does. I I would like to think it does. I would like to easily say, well, yes, of, of, of course it does. These guys, these guys are awesome on the football field. They have all the confidence in the world to dominate anyone, regardless of age, and they'll be fine. And you know, with this translating over to basketball. The only thing that worries me, the only thing I could see is, you know, basketball is such a, as far as face-to-face, it, it's a much more up close and personal sport. Now, look, I understand, like, as all the football people, don't throw tomatoes at me. I get it. I know it's not more physical. I know you got linemen going face-to-face, nose-to-nose, every single play. I get it. That's not what I'm referring to. I'm just talking about, man, for everyone involved, you only seeing – the eyes of your opponent, you know, one-on-one in football when you're clashing and you're going up helmet to helmet. Like, basketball, you could see everyone's face, everyone's facial expression, everyone's eyes, everything that everyone's thinking all the time, the entirety of the game. 
you know, you see guys warm up for football. You know, they're casually skipping back and forth. They're stretching. They're doing lunges. They're doing jumping jacks. And you're not really getting a feel for what's about to happen on the field. Basketball warm-ups, you can go watch warm-ups and make a pretty good educated guess of how the game's going to go. And sometimes that's a really intimidating factor for someone who's just simply not ready for that. I hope these guys are ready for it, you know. But that's the only thing I would be slightly concerned about is, you know, that first varsity game when they're getting ready to warm up and they look, they're doing their two-line layup drill and they look on the other side and it's just alley-oop after alley-oop and you got guys windmilling and, and throwing it off the glass and dunking it and, and you really seeing what what six six and six seven looks like in real life. You're seeing what a forty-inch vertical looks like in real life. That you're standing on the same floor as them for the first time ever. You know, so hopefully that doesn't get to those guys. That's the only concern I would have. But other than that, no, you're absolutely right. Hopefully the confidence of dominating as a freshman and a sophomore on the football field just carries over to the basketball court and the guys will be fine. Let's talk some college football. LSU wraps up their regular season with Texas A&M on Saturday in Death Valley. The big topic of conversation around Baton Rouge and really now around the country is the Heisman Trophy. Jaden Daniels is now the betting favorite. He's got slightly better odds than Bo Nix. I think it's laughable that Bo Nix is even there. He was run out of the SEC because he wasn't good enough, went found a soft landing spot out west, and suddenly he's a Heisman Trophy player. Daniels has been ridiculous. 36 touchdowns, four interceptions, 3,577 yards passing. He has the number one QBR in the country of 94.9. He's completing 72.6% of his passes. And then, oh yeah, he's also rushed for 1,000 yards and is LSU's best running back as well. I got 10 touchdowns on the ground. If Daniels has another 300-plus yard passing, 60-70 yards rushing game and LSU beats Texas A&M, He's going to win the Heisman Trophy, isn't he? Like, it feels like, and I read this on Twitter the other day, and it made perfect sense. The people that are supporting Jaden Daniels to win the Heisman are just saying, hey, he's the best player. They're not saying anything negative about Penix or Bo Nix. The people that are trying to support Penix and Bo Nix are saying, oh, Jaden Daniels would be a backup. He'd be trash. They're trying to downplay what he's doing. I think that's for a reason. It's insecurity. They know that their guy isn't the top player. If Daniels has another strong game, are we looking at another Heisman Trophy winner in Baton Rouge? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, anything short of that, I mean, uh, if he goes out and has a average Jaden Daniels game, if he throws for 300-plus and maybe rushes for somewhere between 75 and 100, I mean, it's over with. Runaway winner. He has the support of the majority of the country. The only people not supporting him are some some of the just the trash Pac-12 bias on the other side of the country, who don't deserve a football opinion anyway. Bo Nix <laughs> like, had to leave the SEC to go be relevant. You know, like he, I feel like he's been playing since freaking Danny Ett, like dude. Like I don't know what I don't know if it's some kind of Mandela effect or what. But I feel like Bo Nix is 32 years old in his 11th year of eligibility. I'm tired of him. I'm tired of his name. I'm tired of seeing him in the headlines. Yeah, he's pretty good, but he's not good enough. He's not nationally dominant. He's not in a relevant conference. He's not in a just a, a, he's not on a relevant schedule. Everything stacks up against him as far as credibility versus Jaden Daniels to put him over the top. Is he good? 
yeah, but he's not Heisman good. I think it's just a bad year for quarterbacks overall right now. It's just, I don't know. It's it's a weird it's a weird college football season. It's nothing's going as it's supposed to anyway. But um, man, I think I think Jaden Daniels runs away with it. I think he's going to win the majority of the votes. And if for whatever reason he doesn't. I mean, we could just trash the whole Heisman voting committee just as quickly as we'd like to trash the NCAA itself and, and just throw it out the window and start start over because, you know, that, that, that would just be blatantly obvious that, they, uh, that they're in the wrong spot. Survivor Series is a Thanksgiving tradition for WWE. I don't know how much you've been watching. I've been watching here and there. But we do have two War Games matches. Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, Jey Uso, Sami Zayn, and the returning Randy Orton will be taking on Judgment Day and Drew McIntyre. That's the men's match. On the women's side, you got Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, Shotzi, and Becky Lynch versus Damage Control, which is having some issues. They're like kind of low-key, borderline, kicking Bailey out of Damage Control right now uh, in terms of making uh, Kyrie Sane, it looks like, the new leader of that group. Um, I see some whispers that Randy Orton, though he's the late addition and the baby face of the team, uh, coming back with Cody and Seth and all those guys, I see some whispers that he may turn on the good guys and become the Viper and the bad guy again. How excited are you to see War Games this coming weekend if you're planning on watching it? Oh, extremely excited, man. In my opinion, you know, it's uh, as far as all the pay-per-views throughout the year, I mean, it's probably the fourth most exciting one. You know, you got Mania, you got Rumble, you got SummerSlam, and then you have Survivor Series. But it's still just a long time-honored tradition that it's it's one of the main pay-per-views it's it's always gonna there, there's always gonna be that extra something that they sprinkle on top they, they're definitely gonna bring some sort of excitement and to see randy orton come back to the ring that that that's gonna be awesome and, and look as you mentioned i really i've been falling behind now that you know we're at the peak of the season where college football starting to wrap up and you start to see you kind of get in the playoff picture you're paying real close attention there. You got pro football going on. College basketball kicked off. NBA kicked off. You know, plus I got a one-year-old son here. Finding time to watch uh, wrestling lately has been really tough. But make no mistake, we have set the time aside. We've got it on our schedule. It is planned. We will be tuning in to Survivor Series. So I got a little catching up to do, no doubt. But I'm super excited. My wife is a huge Randy Orton fan. She'll be tuning in just as well, sitting on the side of me. Yeah, yeah she's sitting in the car with me. He's back. She had no idea. <laughs> uh, so she's excited. But yeah, uh, yeah, I love the War Games concept. I love that. Matt, I love that they brought it back to the to the front of WWE. I can't wait for it. Uh, hopefully, they sprinkle a little extra something, a little extra surprise towards the end. Uh, I really would not be shocked at all if Randy Orton turns heel. He's a brilliant heel. He knows how to get crowd reactions. He knows how to make you hate him. And, you know, that, as a lifelong fan, it, all the all the love, respect, and appreciation of Randy Orton to just do it this long and continue to be relevant when he's healthy and, uh, you know, get the earned crowd reaction, regardless of if he's a good guy or a bad guy at the time. SummerSlam, or it's not SummerSlam, Survivor Series, sorry, is in Chicago. There are whispers that Phil Brooks, formerly known as CM Punk, 
is going to be possibly making his return to WWE. Some people say yes, some people say no. There is a storyline going on, and I'll fill you in, but I don't know if you've seen it. Every Monday on Raw, Shinsuke Nakamura cuts these very cryptic promos about, hey, I hope to see you. Haven't seen you in a while. You know, hope you're, you know, you're, let's see if you're worthy enough to face me, old friend. And there are a lot of people that are whispering that it might be CM Punk who he's talking to. It's somebody. We don't know who it is just yet. Are we going to see CM Punk's music hit? Or are we going to see him return to the WWE either here at Survivor Series or at Royal Rumble? Man, I would absolutely love it. I know he's supposedly, business-wise, a locker room cancer. I know a lot of people have just, for lack of a better term, had enough of his mess. You know, trying to keep it clean here. I, 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 get, I get it, but he's money. He is an attention getter. He will get a pop. He'll get a reaction. Do I think he could still perform at the absolute highest level? Eh. High enough? Yes. I think he's still good enough. He's still young enough. He's still relevant enough. And that's that little extra sprinkle I was talking about earlier. I, I hope that's the shot. That's the surprise. Um, now, help me out here because I don't even remember. Would Shinsuke Nakamura calling him old friend? Hope to see him again. Did CM Punk have some some experience in Japan back in the day? I mean, where where is that connection even at? Because from from what I remember, when Nakamura came to WWE, CM Punk was already gone. Like, I can't even remember where these guys would have crossed paths. Is, is that an old Japan connection? I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, but, yeah, there there's some people that say, oh, no, he's not talking about CM Punk, and they're saying that it might be, you know, Brock Lesnar coming back. There's some different theories out there, but... They are leaving no it open. They are leaving it open. Let me cut you off. There's no way Brock Lesnar comes back during hunting season. This is his routine <laughs> right now. He's up in Minnesota. He's got a big beard. He's got a. He's got long hair. He's wearing uh, a, a cut sleeve flannel shirt. He's chopping wood, being a lumberjack, hunting. Like he, he's not. He, there's no way he's coming back before Royal Rumble. This is the Brock Lesnar routine. We could write that off right now. But uh, you know, I, hey, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that's the answer. Um, but no, CM Punk. I think I may have shared this with you. You, you know what? I even wouldn't mind seeing. Um, you know, a, a, a fan theory. Someone drew this up. I could totally see Survivor Series in Chicago here. Um, <clears throat> absolutely no, nothing planned with CM Punk. But he's there as a fan. And the camera happens to show him a few times, but they never identify him. They happen to glance over him, see him in the front row, just sitting there in his black hoodie, just chilling, enjoying the show. But they, even though the camera sort of glances and catches him for a couple of seconds, no one actually acknowledges him on the announce team. Then lately, WWE's been doing these press conferences after these major pay, uh, pay-per-views, premium live events, whatever we want to call them. Someone asked Triple H, hey, CM Punk was in the crowd. What do you think of that? What does that mean? Is he back? Are there any plans? And Triple H is absolutely dismissive of it. Oh, no, no. He's <clears throat> he's a he's a fan. He calls him by his real name and all. Look, Bill Brooks is a, is a fan. He, he's, he's a lifelong guy in the business, and he was just there enjoying the show. The show's in Chicago. He's from Chicago. Dude's enjoying his time off. He wanted to come watch 
you know, the best damn business in the world, and he wanted to come watch a premium live event in person in his hometown. He's welcome to come in and purchase his ticket and blah, blah, blah. Writes it off. And Monday night, Monday Night Raw, which will also be in Chicago, the next night, uh, or two nights later, excuse me, the show starts dark. There's a spotlight in the middle of the ring. CM Punk sitting there, Indian style, staring at the ground. He looks up. He's got a smile, grabs the mic, says, did you miss me? His music hits. The crowd goes nuts, and he's back. And then that night, he starts some sort of feud towards a buildup for a premium match at Royal Rumble. I think that's the path they're going to go. Uh, I would love to see it. I hope he's involved in some capacity. He uh, He's certainly a big-time moneymaker and an attention-getter with the fans. Last question. Have you seen uh, Superfan on Peacock, the story of Vladimir, the longtime WWE fan? Have you seen it? If not, you need to watch it, dude. It's incredible. No, no, not yet. Not yet. I, I've heard about it. I remember reading about him many, many times. Uh, not, I've not made the time to watch the documentary, but I plan on doing that at some point this week. Yeah, very highly recommended. Bro, thanks so much for the time. Uh, so tell Whitney I said hello. Happy Thanksgiving to you all, and look forward to seeing you soon, buddy. Yes, indeed, man. We appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to you and to all the listeners. We appreciate you guys always tuning in. And uh, as always, go Tarps at God Bless America. That is Taylor Griffin doing an excellent job signing off in only the way that he knows how. Let's catch a break. It's our final break. When we get back, we'll talk about some New Orleans Saints. I got some Michael Thomas things to say. Um, and we'll also talk about some other things happening in the world of sports. It's play-by-play, -play, wrapping things up in our pre-Thanksgiving show right here on KLEB. During this holiday season, our thoughts turn gracefully to those who have made our progress possible. And in this spirit, we say sincerely thank you and best wishes for the holiday season and a happy new year from everyone at Ashley Barrios State Farm Insurance. Introducing Six Flags Plus, your pass to a whole year of unlimited visits with access to all Six Flags theme parks and water parks, plus priority entry, plus parking, plus in-park discounts on food and more. Plus, amazing rides and awesome events you don't want to miss. Get all you love about Six Flags. The new Six Flags Plus. All of Six Flags, all year. Experience Six Flags Plus now for just $11.99 a month. See details at SixFlags.com. Entergy Louisiana is strengthening our power grid. From Lake Charles to Baton Rouge. Metairie to Monroe. Our blueprint covers the state. Nearly 10,000 projects over 11,000 miles of transmission line. We're reinforcing infrastructure to prepare for stronger storms, reduce outages, and respond quicker when you do need us. We're making stronger connections in every community because together, we power life. At Thibodeau Regional Wellness Center, we're improving the health and well-being of the region one person at a time. And this means more tea times, more playtime, more time to do good, more fast time, and more once upon a time. Isn't it time you started living your best life? Change starts here at Thibodeau Regional Wellness Center. 
No Wake Outfitters is the best fly shop and paddle sports dealer in Metairie, but we offer so much more. We can prepare you for hunting season with Lamco game feeders and functional, comfortable camo wear from Duck Camp. And we outfit kayaks to get you in those shallow duck ponds and keep you camouflaged. Let our knowledgeable staff help you have your best season. Also offering Duck Camp and Orvis Outdoor Apparel for men and women. Check out the exclusive brands like Rugged Road, Turtle Box, New Canoe, Old Town, and more. No Wake Outfitters. 1926 Airline Drive in Baby, you a song, you make me want to roll my windows down and cruise. Hey, baby. <laughs> the New Orleans Saints are taking on the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday out in Atlanta. Uh, the Saints are entering the game. A little beat up, even though they uh, had their bye week to rest up. We are told that Derek Carr is questionable, still in concussion protocol. Michael Thomas has been placed on the injured reserve. Kendry Miller is questionable, and Marshawn Lattimore has a high ankle sprain, and it's not looking likely that he'll play against Atlanta. Um, people have been asking me, right, because I'm kind of linked to Michael Thomas in an indirect way because we had a little bit of a social media spat uh, where – I basically said that he was a wuss, and he basically said, hey, bro, you bald. Um, here's the thing, man. Michael Thomas is on the injured reserve, and technically that only means he has to miss four games, but we all know what it means. He's not coming back. Michael Thomas is the NFL's leader in, oh, I'm going to be back any week now, and then just never coming back. This was a mistake from management this offseason, bringing this dude back into the locker room. This is a Michael Thomas who, despite let, let, let's take all the injury stuff and put it aside for just a second. Since 2020, four seasons, we're talking four seasons now. Since 2020, he has four touchdowns. Since 2020, he has just north of 1,000 yards receiving with four touchdowns. This is a guy who even in the rarest of instances that he's actually available and actually plays, which is now like a red herring, like we never see that anymore. Even when he's out there, he's not impactful anymore. This season in 10 games, he had 448 yards receiving with one touchdown, 39 catches. So on the field, he's not making an impact. Off the field, he's doing what Michael Thomas does. Talking noise on social media, getting arrested. Michael Thomas has as many arrests this season, one, than he does touchdown receptions, one. There is no reason that he should have been brought back to the team last year, but he buffaloed them into a reduced rate contract and found a way to get himself back into the lineup only to get injured again. This needs to be the last straw. This needs to be the end of his tenure in New Orleans. This needs to be wash hands of the guy, let him go and stink up the joint somewhere else. The NFL is a results-based business, and you are always going to be inclined to take chances on people who produce on Sundays. Tyreek Hill once beat a woman. 
but yet he's still in the NFL in a prominent position. Why? Because he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. New Orleans would have been willing to put up with the Michael Thomas crap if Michael Thomas was still doing like he did in 2019 when he caught for 1,700 yards and had 149 receptions. Be it injury, be it age, be it just a lack of attention to detail, be it no more Drew Brees, be it whatever you want to say, he's not that player anymore. On top of the off the field stuff where he's throwing a brick through somebody's windshield, on top of the stuff that he can't stay healthy, on top of the stuff that he's never available and you need him most, this was a mistake. And I tried to tell everybody over the summer this was a mistake. Nobody wanted to listen. Oh, if he could just stay out there, if he could just stay available. Something that's made of glass that gets thrown on the ground over and over again is always going to break. The dude is made of glass. He's not going to be available. The injuries have broken him. And it is time in the offseason that Mickey Loomis looks at this guy and says, Michael, we thank you so much for the contributions. Why are you uh, still keeping this guy around? He's not been available. He has played in 20 games in four years. One season is 17 games. That dude in four seasons has played 20 games. That's the first gripe that I have with New Orleans coming out of their bye week as they're about ready to take on Atlanta. My second gripe comes with, you signed Jimmy Graham in the offseason, and I, my, my buddy Frank just texted me this, and I was this where I was going to go. You signed Jimmy Graham in the offseason. I said on this show, that signing Jimmy Graham in the offseason was one thing and one thing only. It was a publicity stunt by Dennis Allen and Mickey Loomis who knew fans are not happy, fans want our head on a swivel, fans want our ass to be gone. So let's go ahead and bring in a fan favorite that is washed up and can't play anymore, but the fans don't need to know that. We're going to just win the headlines and get some positive PR. Jimmy Graham this season has played seven games. He has one catch for eight yards. So my thoughts on this are twofold. It's either A, he's so old and washed up that he can't help you anymore, in which case, why is he even on the team? That's the first thing. The second thing is, if he can't help you and you're not using him and you're not putting him in the red zone and you're not throwing it up to him in the red zone to score some touchdowns, then what are we doing? Because you're one of the worst red zone teams in the NFL. So it's a New Orleans team that I'm looking at it, and, and, and there are people that say, well, offensively, they're in the middle of the pack for in total yards. You know, their offense isn't as bad as some people say that it is. Like hell, it's not. You have weapons all over the field. You have a quarterback that your head coach hand-picked. Dennis Allen wanted Derek Carr. This is the dude he wanted. You got Alvin Kamara in the backfield. You signed Jamal Williams in the past offseason from the Lions where he was lights out, led the NFL in touchdowns. In New Orleans, can't do a damn thing. Has 131 yards rushing in six games, 2.9 yards per carry. You spent a first-round pick on Olave. He's having a worse second season than he did rookie season. Can't get along with the quarterback. You find a diamond in the rough in Rashid Shahid, who has been a very pleasant surprise. Could take the top off of the defense. Nine explosive plays this year. But you can't get him the ball. He's never on the same page with Carr. Winston tries to throw it to him, but there's 
throwing in the triple coverage. You can't get your weapons, the football, in positions to make plays. Jawan Johnson, we were told before this season by Dennis Allen, Jawan Johnson's poised to have a breakout year. Boy, we like him. Doesn't even have 100 yards yet this year. He's got 97 yards. So when people ask me why I'm pessimistic about a team that's first place in their division, this crap is why. Because the only thing that you are right now, you're the smallest turd in a toilet full of them. The entire NFC South is terrible. Your turd is just a little bit smaller than everybody else's one. You're not any good. You don't have anything to be proud of. You're 5-5 five and five and you've played the easiest schedule in the NFL. If you would have played some other schedule near the top half in difficulty, you'd be 2-8 and eight or 3-7. and seven. So the only thing that's saving you right now is that you have faced Ryan Tannehill, Bryce Young, Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield, Mac Jones, C.J. Stroud, Trevor Lawrence, Gardner Minshew, um, whoever the hell the Bears played that game, and then Josh Dobbs in your last game. You have not faced an upper half of the NFL quarterback all year. And you've only won half the games and you want me to be hoorah, hip, hip, hooray, we're in first place? You put this same schedule in the lap of the Eagles, in the lap of the Cowboys, in the lap of the 49ers. You put this same schedule. Those teams would be 10-0. and 0. Those teams would be 10-0 and 0 or 9-1. and 1. At worst, 9-1. and 1. But likely 10 and 0. But yet you were 5 and 5? You won a game at home against the Bears without Justin Fields, where they turned it over five times. They gave you five extra possessions at home facing a bad team. And you beat them by seven, 24 to 17. Your offense couldn't score in the 30s with five extra possessions. You couldn't score on Minnesota. Josh Dobbs, bad Minnesota defense, couldn't score on them. 19 points. It's a New Orleans team that might well win the division. They might well make the playoffs. But if making the playoffs and winning the division saves Dennis Allen in this offseason, then shame on the entire administration structure of New Orleans because if you are okay with just being okay, then you're going to be okay forever. And you're never going to make that leap. And, and, and going deep into the playoffs and the stuff that you used to do under Sean Payton, that's going to be over with. I watch NFL teams that are well-coached. And the mark of a well-coached team, in my opinion, isn't who wins the most. It's who gets the most improvement from game one to game 17. Earlier in the season, Denver was terrible. They were the worst team in the NFL earlier in the season. They lost a game 70-20. to 20. They've now won four in a row. Why? Because they've got a great coach. They're getting better. The Cowboys have gotten better throughout the course of the year. Detroit has gotten better throughout the course of the year. Several others around the NFL, the Houston Texans, have gotten better throughout the course of the year. The Saints are the same damn team today that they were in week one whenever they limped past Tennessee and won 16 to 15. They're the same damn team that they were in week two when they beat Carolina 20 to 17. They're an offense that can move the ball half assed sometimes, but they're not good in the red zone. And then I can make the argument that they're even a worse team now than they were at the beginning of the year because at the beginning of the year, they had a dominant defense. Now they don't even have that. 
That's coaching. When you're not progressing and you're regressing over the course of the season, that's coaching. It's a big game Sunday. I think New Orleans might beat Atlanta Sunday, right? I wouldn't be shocked if they did. But until we see this team start to not look so damn flat, I'm not going to get excited no matter what the rest of the division does because you're not winning your division because of anything you're doing. You're winning your division because everybody else around you in that division is as inept or more inept than what you are. And that's not anything to brag about. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. I have run late. Uh, We're a little bit after 1 o'clock, but that's okay. We hope everybody has a wonderful holiday. I sincerely mean this, man. Hope everybody enjoys their time with the family. Hope everybody enjoys the football and all that good stuff. Uh, Enjoys the turkey and everything. This has been Play by Play. We'll be back on Monday. We'll recap the weekend. We'll recap all the high school stuff. We've got the Sports Corner coming on Saturday. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving. I'm so thankful to be able to do this show every day. So thankful for good health. I wasn't able to do this show a lot over the summer, and you don't appreciate something until it's gone. Have a wonderful holiday. Love you guys. God bless. You've been listening to Play by Play. Casey Jisco signing off on KLEV.